everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Let's Make Some Shit podcast, your home for do-it-yourself projects to live a better, healthier, and freer life from the state supply chains. And all around, you know, just more useful people, because I think that we could all learn some new skills. So, I am your host, Ray, as always, and I am joined with my lovely co-host, Resonance. How are you doing today, Resonance? I'm doing fantastic today. How are you? Oh, I'm good. You know, I've been kind of, actually, the last, like, few weeks have been kind of struggling through life, and, um wasn't maybe as productive as it would have liked to have been but I don't know I'm feeling super positive today even though there's some sicky people in our house I'm not gonna uh, let that bring down <laughs> I've no, been uh, you're yeah you're fantastic and you have all of those good remedies though so yeah so I've been I, uh, I was kind of starting to feel it in the back of my throat so I immediately um, started taking some fire cider some mullion tincture your uznia tincture and uh, plantain tincture and I'm not saying that's why I didn't get any sicker than that but I didn't get any sicker than that and I feel fantastic I'll say it that's why you didn't get any sicker than that. <laughs> I saw Let's, speaking of that I saw the coolest mm-hmm. thing the other day where someone had used their tinctures it was I think they used marshmallow root and sage and one other one I don't remember what their recipe was but they used it with to make a throat spray like to that's just awesome yeah and I thought that would be a great use for that usnea tincture too with it being antimicrobial you know, and antifungal like for a throat spray yeah you know that thought is like crossed my mind a few times but nothing more than like a passing thought of really what could be useful in it but I think that there are a lot of wonderful things that could probably be used even something like like peppermint as like a numbing agent you know and yeah. um like I said, I thought the mullion would be good because I know that's kind of good for all things lung-related. Um, but, yeah, I think the usnea would be great. I think that's a good idea to make up, kind of keep around for situations like this. And, you know, it is kind of getting into cold and flu season. And there's definitely been some shit going around, like, work and, you know, kids yeah. bringing sickness in here. <laughs> yeah, well, I know my oldest is in dance and she's going to be around all of those sick children coming up soon. <laughs> they're just always, yeah. I don't know. They're always like, so it's just children and they're snot, man. Anyway. Yeah. I swear every time I talked about my, or talked to like my, uh, my brother or my, my nephews, I feel like they're always sick or I don't know. Anybody with kids is always like, regularly sick you know multiple times a year and it's like Ooh. yeah <laughs> especially that. when they're in school because they're constantly exposed to all those other germs and yeah all of that whatnot so what have you been up to this week oh man we have been doing quite a bit actually um so my fire cider is almost done huzzah um and then I, I strained my sage tincture yesterday, which is, it's cool. Cause I just saw that video where that lady used the throat spray and then mine was ready. Um, and it was the, the brightest green color, like almost like the rosemary one that I did a while back. So it was real pretty. Yeah, dude, then, it is such a pretty green. It was yeah, very pretty. I love it when they're like that. I know that like some of them, you know, just turn brown like the usnea or whatever, but that one was cool. It's the first time yeah. I'd ever tinctured sage, so I I didn't know what to expect. What do um, you um What do you use sage for for a um? It's a tincture. You know, I had a specific use for this one when I went out and harvested it, but I don't remember now, and I should have written it on the label. Um, but I'm oh my god, gonna... that happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start writing it on the label when I make it. Like, what was my uh, like intent? But I think it was something for sec, and I don't remember like what exactly now. So I'm gonna have to look up the uses for the sage tincture again and see if I can figure it out. But if not, I'm always like I'm gonna try that throat spray and I'm gonna put it in there. Um, and I might put colloidal silver in there too. I don't know. It's just a thought that I had. Um, cool. Oh yeah. And then 
Oh, yeah, we need to do an episode on the colloidal silver. Yes, we do. We are going to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is is Dag around? Um, Nobody could be. With an earshot? No, okay, good. No. Because I was going to talk about what I canned yesterday. Um, Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so yesterday I canned my first dairy, um, which is a big no-no if anybody's listening Ah. and super, I don't know, pearl clutchy about that kind of thing. Um, And I baked it in the oven, too. (laughs) But I I would like to say here that, like, I did mean to add after our canning episode, because, like, after reading all that, you know, like, especially for what our podcast is and for, you know, if you can find a way and it works for you, do it and screw all those rules. But, you know, if you're doing those ways, just use caution, you know. And, and I feel like uh, a but, lot of the the issues they have with baking, like canning jars in the oven, these things are meant to withstand intense heat and pressure inside of a pressure canner. And granted, mm-hmm. in there, your glass is contained if something happens. So, like, maybe put a pan under it so you don't, like, get shatter everywhere. And if it does, don't obviously don't, like, reuse that food. But, like, you run right. that risk whether you're putting it in the pressure canner or in the oven. So Right. I don't know. Anyway, I interrupted you there. Go yeah, ahead. right. No, no, I actually interrupted you. So right um, on, can that dairy in the oven. <laughs> yeah, I did it. It was a, a cheesecake, a, che- a strawberry cheesecake that I canned in the oven and all of them sealed and everything. So yeah, and we'll be getting Ooh, that in the exciting. mail hopefully tomorrow or Tuesday for Dag for his birthday. Awesome. So what have you been up to? Um, like I said, I kind of been like just kind of struggling through life this last week, but, um, I've been working on a drawing and, um, oh gosh, I know I did more than that. I've been doing a lot of, um, so my Etsy shop has really been picking up. So I've been doing a lot of tincture work and straining and bottling and packaging orders, but, um, not much new to report. I don't think, to be honest, so <laughs> you you did you told me um about the jo- the little the bottles. Do you want to talk about the bottles? Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, that's right. So I have been having issues with my tinctures evaporating out of the two ounce amber dropper bottles. And I take my tinctures to the farmer's market, you know, or other places I have to have them bottled up, you know, for the, to take pictures of them to list on Etsy. And, you know, I mean, if taking well care of tinctures should last forever. And I just am baffled by how much has been evaporating out. I mean, I'm talking at least 10 milliliters in some of them. So I've been having to go in and um, top them off. I mean, if anything, I'd say they're probably just getting stronger, but I was like, you know, what can I do about this? I I, like, I need to have some bottled. And so I'm going to start bottling less, you know, keeping them in jars, you know, because I do make batches, you know, large enough to sell. So I'll probably just start, you know, bottling up them to order and only leaving like one or two actually in bottles. But, you know, I use the heat shrink bands too. So I'm having to take those off and reheat shrink band them. But anyway, so today I'd gotten an order for a four ounce bottle of uh, turmeric and black peppercorn tincture. And I, that has, when I first started doing this, that was definitely one of my bigger sellers. So I would pre-package some of those into four ounce bottles as well. And I had had one in a bottle and is definitely from maybe within the last year, but, you know, uh, definitely months ago, long enough where some should have been evaporated and not none of it was. And I know we'd had conversations about this before and I mean, I think it comes down to it's got to be the um, permeability of the bulb on them. And so the four ounce bottles that I use, um, and I wouldn't have known this unless my mom had mentioned something because she's just really good about finding products made in the USA and sourcing stuff. And um, she noticed that my four ounce bottles were made here in Florida, actually kind of locally. 
And I usually get my two ounce bottles off of Amazon and, you know, I'm almost certain they're from China, you know, um, but I've also ordered two ounce bottles from a number of different places on Amazon, probably all from China. Um, but it's, you know, it's weird. Like I said, this one didn't look like any of it was evaporated out of the ones made in America, you know, and locally. So like I said, I'm not really saying anything there either, but I'm going to go ahead and say that the quality of the dropper bottles that you use, if you are making tinctures to sell or just, you know, ahead enough for your family. Well, if you're doing it for your family, I guess I would recommend just keeping it in the jars until you need it, you know, but, um, you know, I just wanted to bring this up as something to be aware of, you know, if you're wondering what's happening to yours. And I guess if there is anybody listening that has had a similar situation, maybe reach out and uh, I'd like to talk to you about it, you know, what ways to prevent that from happening. But um, I'd say it was happening enough that it was an issue to where I'm going to have to kind of like change up the way that I do some of the things to avoid that happening. Yeah. And, to, you and, know, and source, source different bottles. Yeah, it's and that's so strange. Like I've never had that happen either, but it's got to be something to do with the permeability of the bulb or maybe it's not like the the things aren't properly sealed at the bulb on top, you know? I don't know. I yeah, don't know. that too. But and maybe you know, in Florida place, like, maybe in Florida <laughs> maybe it's a little bit warmer too, which causes maybe a little bit more to evaporate than maybe other places. Um, you know, but I keep them in my shed, which is, and maybe that's why the local ones don't because they're made there locally. So doesn't really cause much of a change for them. They have to make it impermeable in that environment. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe I'll reach out to them and talk to them about it. You're like, Hey, do you do two ounce bottles? (laughs) I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Um, but like I said, I just, I didn't know what to do. Cause I just kind right. of assumed that they were all going to be like that, you know, until I came across yeah. this one and it was like, all right, it's gotta be the bottles then. <laughs> it's gotta be. Oh, uh, yeah. I wanted to tell you about the, one of my friends here locally used her tapache to make oh, yeah? a, kef- a kefir. And she said that it turned out as like a fantastic kefir. So if you guys are wanting to like find alternate uses for the things that you ferment, that's one. Um, kefirs. That's awesome. I really want to um, get into kefir. And I know that's definitely on our list of episodes to do as well. Um, to talk yes. to somebody about that. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Cause she's, uh, she's had grains alive for like a year and a half before. So <laughs> Awesome. Just, yeah, I you know I can't I never keep my ferments going that long. Like eventually I'm like okay I was just gonna stop for a while and then I'll start it again later or whatever. But right about I, that. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had any luck doing that. Like I think what I was trying to do with the ginger bug, you know, is make it so it lasts forever instead of just enjoying it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like if you don't have access to ginger all the time or you know like you don't have the kind of like so where you can go just go out and make it again if you want it it's good to keep it going but yeah I don't know that's not really like a imminent problem at the moment so but we know how (laughs) yeah (laughs) so anyway today we're gonna talk about infused herbal infused oils and i actually can't believe we hadn't talked about this already yet um because they're really versatile also um the things that you can make with the oil um but i mean basically We'll get into the steps or whatever, Um, but, you know, for example, some things that you could make are salves, uh, lotions, soap. Um, Right. I think we both used herbal infused oils for at least one soap by now. Yeah. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a super easy project, but, um, you know, we have some things that we've run into that we can talk about, too, as far as some issues that we've run into um, that will hopefully make the process even easier for you guys. Um, 
Did you want to add anything before we get started? No, let's just jump in. Okay. So, um, where do I start? So, what what you're doing with the herbal oils is the same as kind of like a, it's like a tincture, but you're using the oil to draw out the properties, the fat soluble properties in the plants and jump in if I'm saying any of this wrong. <laughs> no, no, that sounds, that sounds great. I wouldn't have said it any better. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm kind of just winging it. I didn't really do yeah. much practice. <laughs> Um, and so there are definitely certain herbs that will maybe transfer their medicinal qualities better to oils, um, than others. Um, and that's something you guys, you guys can look into beforehand. Like if you're wanting to know, can I extract the medicinal quality from this plant into an oil? Like, um, the usnea, the usnic acid, like you can look at the molecule itself and then see if it has like, if it's polar or nonpolar, um, if it's polar, you're going to want a tincture. If it's more nonpolar, you're going to want to try an oil, um, and then go from, go from there. But you can definitely check into that beforehand instead of, or you can just try like wing it, man, and see if it does what you want it to. But if you're like, more scientific and you want to know beforehand before going in you can look at the composition of the molecule and um and see just give a little peek even if you're not that scientific you know there's a thing called the internet where you could always just be like can you infuse <laughs> you know x right. herb in oil <laughs> yeah maybe some other homies tried it <laughs> Which a lot of time is the case. And I do have um, my book in front of me here. It does have a, a list. So in the Herbal Medicine Makers Handbook, it kind of focuses on 35 herbs and fungi. And they do include a list of those 35 herbs, the ones that um, do infuse into oil well. And for um, dry plant oil infusions, ones that work well are burdock root, calendula, cayenne, comfrey leaf and root, elderflower, ginger, golden seal leaf and rhizome, marshmallow root, mullein leaf, nettle leaf, plantain and yarrow. And for fresh plant oil infusions, um, it calls for mullein flowers, St. John's wort, flowering tops, especially in the flower bud stage, garlic and arnica. Um, and I know you've made a few of the, these on this list and I have yeah. two. So, um, um, before, before we go on, I heard mullein yeah. infused oil. What is that for topically? Um, so I know that I have heard of people using it as eardrops for ear infections. Right. Yeah. I, okay. I thought that was the flower, but the leaf. The leaf oh, too. oh, um, I guess for dry plant oil infusions, and then it lists mullion flowers in the fresh plant yeah. oil infusions. So I want to know. I'm going to look it up. Okay, do it. <laughs> I want to know what it's what it's <laughs> used for now because I have a whole bunch. We, you know, I rescued that one plant uh, from the the roadside a while back, and it's it's gotten huge, and I have a whole bunch of leaves from it. Um, let's see. What's it good for? It's just telling me how to make it. It's okay. We can go ahead. I'll I'll keep looking. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. So I guess anyway, there's there's really not much to making the herbal infused oil. Ex- I mean, at the very minimum, you put your plant material in a jar and you cover it with oil. Um. Now some people prefer to powder their herbs again and i think we talked about this in the in the tincture episode and that you know produces more surface area for the plant matter um and it call you know it talks about between dry and fresh plant oil infusions and that's kind of similar to the tinctures also except this is kind of where so resonance has been doing a little bit of experiment and um did you want to talk about that now about why you're doing it and yeah um, okay for for sure so last year was the first year that i started making infused oils and i just kind of like jumped in the folk way um, go outside, pick a bunch of plants, put them in a jar. And then the first few that I did, I just put, uh, filled, filled the jar up covering the plants. Um, 
and left them in the sun and I would shake them every so often. And after about six weeks, I strained the plant material out um, and saved the oil. And after probably four to six weeks, I started noticing that my oil was getting cloudy and then it started to get a funky smell. Um, so they were starting to mold the oil itself, which is not something that you hear of. Like olive oil doesn't really mold generally. It's not something that you have to worry about. Um, so it was definitely the, the moisture in the plants that I was using. So the, the fresh plant material was putting enough moisture in the water to cause it to no longer be shelf stable. Um, enough water in the oil. Did I say that right? I don't know. Anyway, so. yeah, and I used some of that to make salves, and the salves themselves also started getting, like, little pockets of, like, mold in, in them. Um, so it was, like, a huge bummer, uh, a whole bunch of oils that ha I had that happen with. So since then, I started only using dried plant material for my oils because thinking, okay, so that's not going to provide any extra moisture content, and hopefully they won't mold. Um, however, there are a few plants that it's best to use the fresh plant material in order to get like all of the good benefits from the plant, like lemon balm. Um, so we've got a whole bunch of lemon balm this year and I thought, okay, well, let's just try and experiment. So I've got some that I wilted for 48 hours and put in an oil, um, and these I use, I switched up my method this year too. So I use the crock pot method but um, it's still probably not like what most people do because I don't put the oil and plant material directly in my crock pot. I put them in a water bath in the crock pot um, mm -hmm. and let, let them sit for at least two days in there on low heat. Um, so I did that with the wilted lemon balm and a lot of moisture escaped because I put a lid on top of it wanting to see like how much, if, if any condensation would form at the top. Um, mm -hmm. And, and quite a bit d did just in the first couple of hours. And then I took the lid off and let it evaporate for the rest of the time. Um, and then I did that, I strained it out and saved that oil. And then I did it again with the dried lemon balm. Um, and there was a notable, okay, so there's a notable difference in aroma. And there's also a notable difference in color. Hmm. The wilted lemon balm is a darker green than the dried. Um, the dried lemon balm actually didn't color the oil much at all. And then the dry, but the dried lemon balm smells more like lemon balm. I don't know. Hmm. It was the, it's, it's super funky. I'm going to try it again. Cause I have enough lemon balm and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to send you some of it. So I'm going to try it again Ooh, and see if thanks. I get the same results. But yeah, it's, it's been interesting to say the least. And like I had that happen with some plantain oil last year. It got moldy. Um, I did a red clover infused oil that got moldy. Uh, I, I did I a it. rosemary one that got moldy. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, and you know, you don't think about it going in just, you know, cause you've like read somewhere that someone did this and they just put the plants in and shook it up or whatever. And you don't think about like, okay, so, how long do I have to use this? Um, and you just right. like think it's an, it's an oil. It's going to be there for as long as I need it, but no, because you're putting water in there, it's going to, uh, it's going to start to go bad. And you'll notice if you're paying attention, even in like, if you're using it, um, in the doing the crock pot way, like I did, you'll notice like, it'll start mm -hmm. to look weird like funky like cloudy or whatever and then it'll start to smell funky too um, yeah once it once it starts to mold but yeah that's like the biggest issue that I've had with infusing oils is the mold problem yeah I had that one so I did the the only one I tried to do fresh was with the rosemary and I did let it will probably 24 hours you know but you know that's such a good different kind of plant than like a you know um lemon balm it's softer and fleshier i would guess and i don't know why i was kind of surprised it ended up molding it took a while but um i was kind of doing it more for culinary 
purposes anyway. But that actually brings up a good point. Um, You know, not only can you use infused oils for medicinal purposes to make salves, but there's, you know, the actually probably more obvious use of incorporating these herbs, which are medicinal, you know, into your everyday life is through cooking. Um, You know, but like, you know, by infusing rosemary and thyme and thyme is amazing. Like, oh my gosh, we can do a whole episode on thyme and its benefits. Like, insane with rosemary. Um, But, you know, getting good, fresh, infused oils to use for cooking is just another way to add it to, you know, your healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, I need to make some for culinary purposes of the like all kinds of infused oils just for that that would be great like to have some sage infused oil mm-hmm. and oregano or, you, or do um a, a sedum, a sedums in uh, vinegar for salad dressings Ooh. you know it's a great way to incorporate some good herbs into your life that sounds so, delicious. Oh man, what if you okay, so salad dressing with an acetum and an an herb infused oil. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Add it to the to-do list. <laughs> Absolutely. Um so the so, only thing that I or the or only herb that I have actually used the crock pot for um is cannabis actually the cannabis infused oil. Um I guess just because that's the way that I've always done it. <laughs> right. I was going to ask, really like, cool. do you, do you do yours? Um, like you do yours, like the, the old fashioned way. Yeah. You just leave them in the jar and shake them up. Like, like the tinctures. Most of them, except for, uh, except for the cans, just because I usually make them. I usually kind of have an intention with what I'm going to do with them, you know, whether it be soap or salves or whatever. But I mean, I I think our audience maybe knows by now that I don't usually get to things right away. So even just having them and letting them sit till I'm ready to use them is not a problem. You know, I've been wanting to try the oven method when I actually have something like, okay, I'm going to sit and do this project today, you know, but. What's the oven method? Oh, well, just, just like the, um, I'm sorry, kind of sometimes I say things without really thinking, but like the crock pot method, but you oh, can okay. use the oven. Um, cause, okay. So you said that you use like a, a water bath in your crock pot, which is good yeah. because like you're looking for like around a hundred degrees. I want to say like some people use a yogurt maker because it has a dial thermostat. Um, but most crock pots actually get too hot. So by using a water bath that probably, um, makes it okay you know but i guess you can have a little bit more control over the temperature in an oven if you don't have something with a thermostat because you can do also you know like a water bath in your oven or turn it on and then let it sit in the oven with the actual temperature off just from the residual heat yeah. you know I've, okay. I've only heard about people doing this but it's the same thing as a crock pot and the crock right. pot's probably actually similar but I, I guess i just meant by applying heat as opposed to time yeah, I've done a double boiler on the stove before, too. Um, yeah, but same thing. But that's obviously a little more dangerous if you're going to be leaving it overnight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, I have done that, but I don't, like, I don't want you guys to do that. Especially, like, I've got a, okay, so my oven now is a little bit I think it's possessed, to be honest, you guys. It's uh got one Uh-oh. eye that will just go from... I I turn it on on low and it'll just like go from low to high for no reason. Uh, Oh, and it's been the source of a a small fire once or twice. Um, So I've got to keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't use that stove eye anymore, but yeah. So don't, I mean, you, you, you can use your stove, but I wouldn't recommend leaving it on overnight. (laughs) You just never know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, I think I was even reading something and it said like, sometimes even if you're doing it like that way, even just an hour with like some agitation while you're doing it and you'll probably get a lot of this stuff out of it. That that reminds me, hot plate with a stir bar. Yes, got one. Oh, yeah. 
There you yeah, go. she's got all the good shit. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, she's fantastic, so. <laughs> I know, she is. She's great. We'll have her um, on. I know, and are- I'm, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow it. So, the hot plate with the stir bar at some point. <laughs> That's cool. You to try out all the gadgets before you decide if you want to spend money on them. Right. Well, I saw somebody, like, I've seen people make them. So, maybe I'll go that route 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 because um they're i mean they're not cheap so yeah anyway so yeah anyway so where were we (laughs) um we were talking about herbal infused oils do you want to talk about like how you make a salve with your oils yeah so okay so either way whether you are using a crock pot or a double boiler or you are just letting it sit I mean, mine usually end up sitting in the cabinet and I shoot them with my tinctures for like a good two, three months sometimes. I don't know if there's really a set time for any of the methods, but <laughs> this one's kind of, I don't know, it doesn't seem as like strict of rules or to follow, you know, when you're doing it. But anyway, so you're going to want to strain it, obviously. And um, I have never really... Done well, I, I, I usually strain it with a cheesecloth and then I'll strain it through like a coffee filter. Some people recommend letting it just sit and rest for like a day and then decanting off because sometimes there will still be a little plant material at the bottom, you know. Yeah, that's that what settles. I do. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you, you don't really want that in the oil because that could eventually, you know, lead to mold issues, I would say. But anyway, you want to get as much crap out of it anyway (laughs) so you have your strained oil and so you set up a double boiler and um so this book recommends i believe it's one ounce of beeswax per one cup of oil um and you just want to so you add your beeswax and your oil to the double boiler and what's important here is that especially if you're getting like pelleted beeswax you really want to make sure they're all melted and it's kind of easy to seem like they're all melted because they'll get pretty clear um but you can almost kind of still tell there's like little dimples in the oil, little spots from the beeswax that's not all melted. And that's just important because if it's not all melted, so it's not all incorporated, the final product's going to be kind of chunky and a little separated. You know, you're going to see like chunks of beeswax and chunks of oil still. Um, so then you're just going to want to make sure it's all melted. And then you can test it by taking a spoon and taking a tiny little spoonful of your oil and wax mixture and stick it in your freezer to cool. So you can check the consistency and if it's too hard, you can add more oil. And if it's too soft, you can add more beeswax. Um, And I personally have found in Florida, because it is hotter and more humid, that I usually have to add um, quite a bit more beeswax to get it to the consistency that I like. But the consistency is also a matter of opinion, I guess, you know, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, people might want different, yeah, preference, you know, if you want it softer or harder, um, you know, just add more or less beeswax. And that is just the short and basic of it. And then you're going to, you know, add it to your tins or containers or jars or whatever vessel and you're going to let it cool. Um, If you want to add essential oils, you're going to want to do this after you remove it from the heat because otherwise they will just evaporate. Um, And, you know, if you want to get even more complicated or down the line, you can play with different oils. Um, A good one to start out with is olive oil just because of the properties that it has. It's really good on your skin. Um, But there's other oils that maybe are maybe a little bit stickier on your skin or ones that absorb faster. Um, And there are definitely all kinds of charts online. And I can post some in our Discord channel with the, um, the different oils and their different properties. So you can kind of tailor them to suit the desired consistency that you're looking for and post that because i haven't seen it and that sounds fantastic 
Like, I want to say, like, castor oil is one of the stickier ones, but, like, depending on when you're looking for what kind of medicine you're making, you may want that to be stickier and to hold on to the skin longer, you know, because the reason for making these salves with these oils is it's producing a barrier, you know, with the, um, for the medicine to absorb into whatever you're applying it to on your skin, whether it be a cut, a scrape, a bruise, a bug bite, you know, or if you're making a more cosmetic um, thing, you maybe want it to absorb into your skin a little bit faster, but you're still looking for those moisturizing properties. So, I mean, it can get com- as complex or as easy as you want to get. Um, and I like to add a little, a few drops of vitamin E oil. Some people claim that that acts as a preservative and I've heard arguments against that, but either way, the vitamin E is good for your skin. I've also heard of, I've been wanting to try in the next batches that I make to add some vitamin C. I guess you can add some vitamin C also, and I guess that's supposed to be really good for your skin. Um some salves that I have made so far, um, I've done a, a plantain one um, and comfrey, uh, calendula, and done mixtures of those, um, peppermint oil, lemon balm. Um, yeah, and just kind of tried mixing some together for different purposes. And I know that Resonance has made some similar ones. Did you want to talk about any ones that you made? Or do you want to add anything to what I just said? Or Yes, both of those things. So the Usnea oil can also be used as a preservative in your salves. Um, and I just found that out recently, too. Like, you can add oh, it yeah. to That's, lotions okay. or whatever um, that you're making, too or body butters. Um, and you can mm-hmm. add it to those to act as a preservative as well, because it's antimicrobial, which I thought was neat. Um, that is neat, but I have made a plantain salve for my children for the bug bite season. Um, I've done soothing itch relief salve, which also like my great aunt uses it for I guess she, she could, uses it like a neosporin kind of substitute because it does have all of those good plants in it too. Um, but it's got plantain and comfrey and yarrow. And then I also added a little ca- calendula and chamomile in that one um, just to, you know, give it some more soothing properties. Um, I did a turmeric and cayenne salve that's like a muscle rub. And it turned out more like a lotion, I guess than mm-hmm. a salve and um it's really nice but i put too much turmeric in that so you got to be careful does with the turmeric does it stain it stains well it doesn't stain but it definitely gets on things um but it washes uh-huh. out super easy um but then you know after i use that i gotta wash my hands real good because i don't want to get cayenne on children face um, right. <laughs> but so, yeah, I don't know if I'll make that one again, but it works great. Like it's a great muscle rub for sore muscles, but, um, it's just, uh, difficult to work with. I have a funny hey, story. I have to pop out for a second. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell the audience my funny story. Oh, wait, okay. come back. We can always All cut right. this out. Okay, cool. I guess while she's gone, I could talk about some of um, some more detail, I guess, about some of the salves that I made. Um, so we both have done ones with the calendula and the, or the plantain and the comfrey. And the reason why those make great salves. Um, so the calendula is really good for just about anything skin related. It's actually used in a lot of um, diaper rash lotions um, because it's very gentle enough for children and um, you know it's good for eczema and then the plantain has some drawing properties um, so that's really good for bug bites and like healing um, skin wounds and same with the comfrey Um, so the comfrey's I mean the comfrey is really good at healing wounds and bruises it goes I mean it's been said to help heal broken bones Um, and the thing about comfrey though is that you don't want to apply comfrey to an open wound because actually the um, 
ability for it to heal the skin and close the wound is actually so fast that you could trap some of the bacteria in the wound and it could lead to infection. Um, so you just want to be careful about using comfrey um, oil or salve on an open wound. Um, and then um, I use also the plantain and the comfrey and the calendula in actually um, a black drawing salve. And I know Resonance friend made her one to try, but that also incorporates um, activated charcoal and bentonite clay um, into the salve because of those drawing properties. So a lot of these herbs are really good for cuts, scrapes, and bruises. And um, I imagine adding like the uznia to something like that would probably be really good um, with the antibacterial, antimicrobial properties as well. Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Okay, yeah, so was, I was, was... going to more detail about some of my cells while you were gone. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Um, that was Aura from Pasnia. Mm -hmm. uh, who made the black drawing salve that I've been using around here. Yeah, I know Dag likes to use the black drawing salve. We get a lot of splinters along, around the homestead, you know, mm -hmm. and um, works good for that. So, okay, so I have a funny story. Um, so Morty, we found out, likes to get into the weed. <laughs> and Morty, baby, no. Yeah, so there's been so we've been ha very careful about what we leave out, you know, and like the ashtray and everything. We've been putting it up, and like we always joke, like, oh, we need to send him to a little doggy rehab because he's small. He's, he's a Boston Terrier. <laughs> yeah, he totally is. So anyway, I he was acting real stoned, like maybe like a week ago, like real bad, and like. Every time this happens, okay, trust me, I'm very, like, scared when this happens, but he's okay, so I can laugh about it now. But um, we're like, what did he get into? Like, everything, we've been really good about keeping everything up. Well, he found a fresh tin of my pain salve that I make, and um, he somehow got the tin open, and he ate about half of it. <laughs> oh, my God, Morty. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, he's eaten the buds before and gotten stony, but that's not decarbed. And if you guys have listened to our, you know, episode on cannabis, you know that you need the, to decarb it to turn the, you know, to activate the THC molecules. So I use decarbed cannabis in the cells and, you know, it's concentrated in the oil. So it's more like an edible. Oh, my God. We were we were really worried about it. <laughs> But he's fine. Yeah. But now we're definitely are thinking we might need to send him to a doggy treatment center <laughs> <laughs> for help. <laughs> There's something about the the herbal infused oils in the salves because um, we watch uh, a friend's dog during the day on weekdays, and he ate half a container of the plantain salve that I made. <laughs> Like the yeah, baby man. had it, was putting it on her bug bites. And then, you know, I walked away and I come back and he's like licking the thing. And <laughs> like I had to, yeah, I had to tell them, you know, he, he ate quite a bit of olive oil today. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Because even when you do use like the plantain cell or something else, like on bug bites. And a lot of times it's on my ankles, you know, because we have a lot of ants and stuff. And he'll very much try hard to lick it off. But um Anyway, so keep your, you know, to more toxic selves out of reach of children and small pets. Yes. Disclaimer. And big pets. <laughs> <laughs> and big pets. <laughs> but the pain salve um, is really nice. Um, and I've made one where I mix it with the cayenne and peppermint infused oil. Um, and that works really great for like back pain and tension headaches, um, massages. Um, and I don't know. I just love it. We use it all the time. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I know we've talked about this too, but we can also use your infused oils to make soap. And that requires a bit more volume of the infused oil. So if you're planning on doing that, that maybe may take a little bit of planning ahead because a lot of the soap recipes um, do require a good bit of oil. 
right. I think the jewel weed one that I did was almost a full quart of jewel weed infused oil. And I wasn't expecting that because that was all that I had made. So I had to use like all of it to make the same. I know one of them, like I actually didn't quite have enough. So I used some other, like maybe added a little bit of peppermint infused oil or something just to, you know, make it the right amount. So I would definitely maybe plan ahead. Um, but do you got do you got any uh, oils infusing right now for anything you got planned coming up? Um, I just finished up with the I had I just finished up with the lemon balm, so I'm gonna do some more of those. Um, but I don't have any working right now. Um, I did the jewel weed, another jewel weed, like I guess last week. Um. But no, I, I do have some plant material dry that I'm going to throw in some oils. So I have a, a yarrow that's dried and then some comfrey that's dried. And then I also have the mullein leaves that I might throw in an oil, figure out what it's good for. I think it said it was anti-inflammatory. So might be another one that's good to put in like some kind of a bug bite or, you know, rash kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think especially most herbs, it definitely wouldn't hurt anything i don't think right they, oh there's um lip balms i don't know why i just yes. wanted to mention that because the herbal infused oils can be fantastic for lip balms and i've been meaning to make one or two and different kinds yeah i think even chapsticks are supposed to be pretty easy to make but that's actually what um my intention is for the lemon balm um i don't have herpes but either way it works good for cold sores but lemon balm is an antiviral that is good for um you know herpes and cold sores so even just to add that with some other things just to give it that quality you know yeah lemon balm lip balm (laughs) yeah i think it sounds lovely anyway yeah plus that it always has that good smell i don't know yeah i love that smell i do too hmm did we miss anything i don't know i'm trying to think other uses for infused oils i mean you can just use the oil straight too um yeah we've we've done that a time or two with the bug bite stuff just like once you got the oil infused just slap it on there um yeah because that and it's going to help either way even if you don't have that like viscous properties added in like the beeswax or whatever you want to make it set um oh um, or massage oils i guess beard oil beard oil yeah hair oil i know rosemary is really good they sell that um for like you know for your split ends and for your scalp to help um to rub it in it's an it's a hair treatment um this lady at the farmer's market actually got one um sells this like castor oil um like hair treatment it's like a little dropper bottle but you know you rub it on your ends and it's supposed to help with hair regrowth and it's just good for your scalp too that's cool i didn't know that I don't know. My hair is already like gets super oily anyway. I feel like that would just make me have to wash it more. Um, so I get really oily hair. And so, but when I use shampoo, I feel like it really strips it and then my hair is extra dry. And so like what I've been trying to do is if you use like, um, like some oil on your ends and on your scalp and then you shampoo, then it kind of protects your hair a little bit from the harshness of the shampoo. And I even still try to use like good shampoo without, you know, any chemicals or anything in it, but my hair is just really fine. So it does, I don't know. I actually feel like it's been helping add a little moisture. Good to know. Yeah. Let's see. Any other uses for these oils here? Hmm. So we got salves, eating them. I don't know. Did you did you use them in your deodorants? Did you use the oils? Um, no, I haven't. I, I haven't used coconut oil. The, the, the most of the base of the deodorant is coconut oil, and uh-huh. I haven't infused anything in coconut oil yet. Um, and. Um, it is something that I've been meaning to, and I haven't also really decided what would be a good herb to do for that. What do you think? 
actually probably the Usnia if it's kind of like antimicrobial. Right? That's what I was probably actually say. Be really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just put that Usnia oil in everything. <laughs> okay, we'll have to set up another trade. <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty of it. <laughs> Um, so I guess I'll maybe mention this method that I haven't tried yet, but I've watched some videos on, on YouTube and it seemed pretty interesting and it's just to kind of to try to get the most out of your oil and, um, to make them stronger. But I, so the concept is that you use powdered herb and you pour maybe like an ounce of, uh, vodka onto the dried herbs and you let it sit for like 24 hours. So it's not really just enough to wet the herbs and to kind of like draw some of those um, properties that are alcohol soluble out. And then you add the oil, you know, and then you do your process, but supposedly it makes a pretty strong, a much stronger oil and, um, you know, uses the most of your material, but that I, um, would be fantastic to try with some of the higher proof alcohols yeah yeah so it's mm. kind of been on my list to try that method yeah i didn't even know about that method but i'm gonna have to give it a try maybe use some of I'll, like the double distilled or something and yeah i'll find the link and i'll post it in our discord cool leave it right now so i don't know is there anything else you wanted to add i think i covered everything that i was thinking yeah, no, I think um, I think that's about it. Just if you guys are interested in making medicinal oils, jump right in. It's fun. Um, and then, you know, can always make start with something like the rosemary or oregano and just like make a bread dip or something, you know, and then maybe next time try something that's a little more involved with like a salve or whatever. But it's fun and it's good for you and your family and. Yeah, and choose something, you know, that you'll use, which is why I think, you know, we both started out with things like the plantain or things plantain. that are good for bug bites because <laughs> yeah. we are working outside and, you know, that's what it's good for. So if, you know, you get a lot of bug bites, that might be a good one. Or if you have a child, maybe the calendula oil to try for, you know, a, a diaper rash. But I feel like, you know, that you get was started, the first, I mean, the possibilities yeah. are endless. That was one of the first ones that I made was for um, the baby for diaper rash because mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm just trying to think outside of the box and things that I can do here to maybe cost, like save us some money on whatever. And that was one of the reasons why I made a salve in the first place was so that I could make something to put in case she got diaper rash. So, and I think yeah. Usnea would be great to add to that too. I agree. I think anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh, I have to apologize. <laughs> so, I don't know. You want to plug your shit? Yeah, if you guys are interested in following me, you can find me on Twitter at Mother of Chaos X A O S. And I am at E underscore Agorist on Twitter. And you can follow the show at Let's Make Some S H H. Keep making shit. See you next week. Thank you.